Welcome to Full Cow, a podcast about leather, kink, and BDSM. My name is Edge, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm your host. And this is another interlude, the episode between episodes offered raw and unedited, but with leather creaking. And a little bit out of order this time as well. Normally, the first Friday of the month, you would be hearing a full episode. However, as we are approaching the end of the season, I thought I would swap that around so that the very last episode of the season would be the season finale. So instead, we're going to talk about polyamory, which is something I've been thinking about a lot as I have been navigating the thrilling, if sometimes challenging, waters of polyamory. Historically, my relationships have been open, mostly because most of my relationships have been long distance, but all of my relationships have been sexually open. Which just means, you know, we'd play with others, but there were never real stable relationships outside the main one. There were no emotional attachments. So even though I have a history of open relationships, I would not say that I have a history of polyamory. This shifted for me at the very end of my last relationship. You know, my ex was very clear that he would need to have a slave at some point. And and he actually inspired me slightly to think about having a boy of my own. Now, that led, of course, to the boy who changed my life, as uh, who pops up quite a bit in my narrative lately. And Although, ironically, I sort of met him at the very end of that relationship, but then really developed our connection after my last relationship was over. So, But what I discovered with the boy who changed my life, I, I, I was in, I love that man. I love that boy. I love that boy. And it was the first time I had realized that I could have it a... What I call a polyamorous love, or it was an appropriate love, right? Like he, I didn't want him to leave his husband. I didn't want to break up his relationship. I didn't want him to be all mine. But I knew the feelings I had were consistent with the feelings I would have with a romantic partner, except they were expressed in this kind of pure, I wanted the best for him. I wanted him to be happy. I wanted to support him. And that's when I finally discovered that it was possible for me to love in a way that seemed appropriate in a polyamorous context, a love in a way that didn't seem the way I would exclusively reserve my love for a primary partner. Since then, wow, well, you know, my life's a little complex because... On the one hand, I feel like I'm single because I don't have a nesting partner or a primary partner. On the other hand, clearly I am not because I have a boy and now I have a slave. And in part, I've been trying to navigate my singleness in a sort of context of polyamory. I already have relationships, but I am open to one more. But one more specifically, a kind of primary or nesting, a boyfriend someday maybe a husband kind of relationship. And, you know, it's a little weird. It was weird to be dating and both feeling single and yet technically not being single. And it shifted the pool I was looking for because obviously I needed people 
who are polyamorous. In that, I discovered that a lot of gay men still don't really know what polyamory is or understand what it means or or really have explored that, which is great. Certainly not required. I guess I just thought like gay men were inherently polyamorous. That's not true. Gay men are inherently nothing, first of all. <laughs> and while I think many gay men might be, um, let's say, sexually expansive, I'm not going to use the word promiscuous, but let's say many gay men are sexually expansive. I don't know that a lot of us have done the work to figure out polyamory. And for me now, my operating definition of polyamory is that I can have multiple stable, loving, committed relationships in my life. And I can be in love with all of these people in my life. And it being in love with one of them does not take away from anything else or from anyone else. That's the kind of um, operating definition of polyamory I'm using. So I discovered in dating that, you know, I, I needed someone who had done some of the work and understood polyamory and knew that they were polyamorous, that they desired that as much as I did. And that's been, oh, that's been one of many challenges dating. In fact, I have gotten so many challenges in dating that I've sort of given up right now. I have a boy, I have a slave, and I have some local boys, and I have some not local boys, right? I have men in my orbit, and I, I am not currently convinced that I'm going to find a man who can meet all the things I need to fill that sort of boyfriend slot. And so I, I cobbled together out of my various polyamorous relationships pieces that kind of meet the boyfriend slot. And it's not, it is not a great feeling to think, well, I'm, I'm just going to have to give up on the boyfriend slot. And I, I don't think I will stay in that place permanently, but that's where I am today. I have been reading about polyamory in order to do the legwork. Um, this was especially essential as I started moving towards a relationship with my slave as this is his first polyamorous relationship. So I had already read most of The Ethical Slut, which, if you don't know, is sort of the original polyamory Bible. And I, 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 you know, I read most of it and I'm like, okay, a lot of it just felt very obvious to me. And it was quite radical at the time it was written, but I just didn't feel like it provided me a lot of tools. And then I heard people talking about polysecure. So as the slave and I were moving into a relationship, I said, we're both going to read polysecure. I read polysecure. The slave has not yet. Just uh, just putting that out into the podcast of here. Um, the slave has not, but I read it. And um, I really liked it. You know, the whole first part of it is about attachment theory, and then it really uses that to frame polyamory and polyamorous relationships. Uh, one of the things I took from Polysecure, so before I read, when I was back in a sort of ethical slut model, uh, and historically in my relationships, 
There was my primary partner, and then there were a series of secondary relationships. And historically, I've also done things like save certain things for my primary partner. Like, I can only cuddle with my primary partner. I can only have sleepovers with my primary partner. Or only fuck my primary partner. Whatever. And secondaries just had to kind of, okay, well, that's the way it is. You have to accept that. I have, in part because of PolySecure, really moved away from that. If someone's going to be my primary right now, they have to understand that what makes them my primary is the relationship and security that we form and the attachment we form and not a list of X, Y, Z that I only do with them. I no longer feel like I have to reserve parts of me or my sexuality for one relationship and that somehow sharing them in others devalues them. So that'll be yet another challenge as we date in polyamory. That was something I got from PolySecure. You know, PolySecure also moves away from the language of primary and secondary relationships, in part because that hierarchical system can devalue the secondary and disempower the secondary from decision-making. And I'm, I'm okay with that, and I'm on board with that. It was specifically reading Polysecure that made me question whether or not I was actually single. Like, in the in, when I was operating under the ethical slide, I was like, oh, I'm single because I don't have a primary. I just have some secondary relationships. And then I read Polysecure, which sort of equalized all relationships. And I thought, well, wait a second. Am I single? I don't know. I have a boy. I have a slave. Those are two important relationships. In what sense... Am I single? Okay, well, I'm not single, but but I'm I'm open to another relationship, but a specific kind. It just it became very complex for me. So as much as Polysecure provided me new language, new goals, new understandings, and new tools for polyamory, it also made things a lot more complex in my life. Uh, I have just recently ordered the Polysecure workbook as a way of seeing what else it can offer me. And if the slave ever finishes reading the actual book, he may be ordered to do the workbook as well. So, slave, if you listen to my podcast, that could be coming. Um, I'm excited to see what the workbook offers and how it might differ from the book and what it can tell me about my attachment styles. I have some ideas about my rather damaged attachment styles, but hey, let's see. Let's actually look into that and see what that looks like. Um, and And hopefully it will prepare me. In the meantime, I have been resisting singleness. You know, for a long time, I felt like this is the longest, it's almost two years, it's the longest I have been single. By that, I mean it's the longest I've not had a primary partner or primary relationship. And two years, not even two years, almost two years. Two years, that's not a long time. It feels like a long time to me. I have tried to remind myself that being single is not a problem. It is not a problem. I do not have problems in my life today. And that if I make being single a problem, if it's all I talk about when people ask me, oh, how are you doing? Oh, dating is so hard. Oh, it's so challenging. Oh, I'm tired of going to sleep with my cat. If I make that my narrative, if I feed that energy, 
then I am simply reinforcing it as the truth of my existence. So I made a decision that being single wasn't a problem. I made a decision that uh, to not feed energy into that narrative. And instead, I was going to center joy and gratitude. I'm grateful to have a slave and a boy and milk boy and rubber boy and, you know, other people moving through my universe in many beautiful ways. Grateful for that. I'm grateful for abundance. And I leaned into being single by by doing a lot of travel. So I just went to Claw in Los Angeles. I am going to see my friends in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. I'm going to spend some time with my slave. I'm going to Mid-Atlantic Leather. I am going to a leather event at the end of January. I am going to San Francisco in March. I might be going to Claw in April. Lean, lean into being single. Have adventures. And uh, that's great, you know, but I still frequently encounter bouts of what I call the singles. And they often come on the weekend, and there are those moments where the heaviness and the weight of being single, I just feel it. And it has a lot to do with being a little lonely and not having anyone in my bed. So even if I'm not technically single in this polyamorous sense, I certainly feel very single at times when there are challenges in my life that I am moving through, when I am buying groceries by myself, when I am going to bed with my cat, I can feel very single. And, you know, I've been trying to really resist the singles. And recently I just sort of hit a giant singles wall and just thought, I am done. I am just done with even trying because the thing, the truth is, I feel so sorry for anyone I've met in the past, oh, let's say six months, probably longer. Let's say the six months. I, everyone I meet, I view through the boyfriend filter. So like one of the first things I'm trying to suss out about you is, are you single? And if you're single, you instantly get more of my attention. And it doesn't matter where in the world you live. Oh, oh, you, oh, you live in Germany, but you're single. Oh, maybe you'll be my boyfriend. Oh, oh, you live in Australia and you're 14 hours ahead of me, but you're single. Oh, maybe you'll be my boyfriend. Um, that really obscures the kinds of organic connections I can make with people, particularly ones who are not single, who suddenly like lower in my estimation because they're not available to me through the boyfriend filter. And that is something I am actively working against. I am actively working against the boyfriend filter and uh, trying to be just done, D-O-N-E, done. And in part, that is this sort of moment of acceptance where this is where I'm at and I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to go back to joy and gratitude. I'm going to invest in my existing relationships because I am done. Do you any done? Mm, peace, calm. But it's also kind of a, a little bit of a hissy fit, right? Like I'm done. I am done. Deal any done. I am done with men. Deal any done. And I am trying to navigate that bitterness. You know, I feel a little bit like coffee, like I'm a little bitter, but I'm still kind of tasty, but you know, it's a little bitter. This, these are all part of, of the challenge of polyamory for me, because it also makes me wonder about what available connections I have. Like, not just that I have a boyfriend slot in my mind, or maybe even in my heart, 
do I have a boyfriend slot in my life? If that man came along, would I have time for him? And would I have energy for him? And how do I preserve that time and energy and not take on eight new boys, you know, six boys and a puppy? I don't know. How do I preserve availability? And then something I think about, and that is also something that helps when I'm done, D-O-N-E, done. So I just wanted to kind of share some of the challenges I'm having with polyamory. The big one is, am I single? Technically, no. Technically, yes. Kind of. Sort of single. Right. That's the thing I've been working through. I also wanted to share some of the tools I've been using, both the Ethical Slut and PolySecure, both the book and soon the workbook. And um, and those are the things I would like for you to take away. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of discussion of polyamory. Uh, I think there's a lot of discussion of non-monogamy. But polyamory strikes me as something very different. It strikes me as a way of creating these stable, love-based, ongoing relationships that can be really complex. And uh, so hopefully I'm opening up that conversation by sharing some of my own experiences with that and some of my own challenges with that and some of the resources I'm using. So I hope all of that has been vaguely useful for you as we conclude the last interlude of season two. And, you know, even though I'm going to go on hiatus uh, and the the podcast won't actually be returning until March 2024, we're going to take a little break to for me to rest, but also to build up some episodes. There's a good chance you might get an interlude every now and then when I'm feeling it, because these are fairly easy to produce and because they offer me, a, for myself, a way to reflect on what's going on in my life. And I like that. So I appreciate all of you listening. I hope that you are thinking about polyamory, if only to think, God, that's not for me. And I hope you are having a really beautiful end to this year. And I will, um, I'll be back with a season finale in a couple weeks. And happy holidays to all those who celebrate all the various holidays that take place as we conclude the year.